Morning, church. Be good. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Thank you, uh, Josh and team, for, for leading us today. Uh, just want to say to anybody visiting us today, you're, you're really welcome and hope you're enjoying being with us and that you're sensing God's spirit. Stay for a cup of tea or coffee afterwards. It might even be a bicky if you're, if you're kind and you're good, but if you see, just speak to people. And, and, and guys, if you see somebody that you don't know today, just don't pounce on them like you're in a, an electrical shop or something, but just be kind, just say hello and welcome people into, into, the, into the family. You know? And if you're watching online, whether that's today or uh, whether you're still in bed, so you're watching about midday, that's up to you. Uh, but you're very welcome to be with us today as well. I wonder if you're a good listener. Hands up if you think you're a good listener. Oh dear me. Okay, a few of you. Hands up if you think you're not that great a listener. Yeah, more hands go up. Thank you for your honesty. That's great. I wonder if I was to ask you, if, you, if I asked those closest to you if you're a good listener, I wonder if their answer would be different to the one that you've just given. You know, that's, don't speak to Jem, but I'm just saying, you know. I like to think I'm a good listener, but, but I know I don't get it right all the time. For there are moments when my wife says to me, I knew you weren't listening to me. And it's usually because as she's talking to me, I'm, giving, I'm trying to give that impression that I'm listening, but I'm watching something on TV or I'm reading something on my phone. And I'm, yeah, I know. Dear me. Yes, dear. Did they? Well, what did you say? Yeah, I know. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah, fine. That's what, and I'm not answering the questions that she's asking me. She says, I knew you weren't listening. Don't judge me. You all do it. <laughs> Especially if you're a bloke. You do it as well. I like to think I'm a good listener I've been a pastor for, what, 23 years? That's part of our, our role. We listen to people. But for some reason, when it comes to people's names, my brain struggles. Anybody else when it comes to names? Yeah, our brains struggle to remember. I can ask somebody their name, and they say their name, and something in my brain goes, uh-uh, it's not staying there. I'm not remembering it, and five minutes later, I go up to somebody like Roger or Gary, and I say, what's that person's name? Because they just told me their name, and within seconds, I can't remember it. And Jen, my wife, always says I'm useless with names, and I thought to myself, there must be some scientific reason behind that, why some people remember names, and some people struggle to remember names. So I, I, I looked up some very simple science about that, and there is some research that says why some of us remember names and some of us don't. You want to hear it? You're not going to like it, but here we go. Now, there are, this, I'm reading, this, this is the answer. There are a few potential explanations, says Charan Ranganath, the director of the Memory and Plasticity Program at the University of California in Davis. So, so this is someone who studies the memory. And they say the simplest explanation, this is the simplest scientific explanation why if you don't remember a name, you don't remember a name, you're just not that interested. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, that's the science behind why we don't remember names. People are better at remembering things that they're motivated to learn. This is not painting me in a good light, I'm just going to say. Sometimes you're motivated to learn people's names and other times it's more of a passing thing. And so at the time you don't think it's important. That's not always the case though. 
often you really do want to remember and you find yourself forgetting anyway, this may be because you underestimate the work necessary to remember something as seemingly simple as a name. And the other scientific reason why you may not remember a name is because the name doesn't strike you as interesting. (laughs) So I'm sorry if you're called Brian or Chris or Sarah. I don't don't know. Just the the, the bog standard names. I'm sorry, your name... (laughs) Your name just just is not interesting enough for your brain to go, I'm going to retain that information. So so the bottom line is, if I have forgotten your name, and I've forgotten lots of your names, it's because either I'm just not interested in remembering your name, or your name is simply boring, so change it by depot, please. But we struggle to remember things, and often it's because it boils down to the fact that we're not listening properly. There's some good definitions of the word listen that include things like giving one's attention to a sound, take notice of and act on what someone says, respond to advice or a request, make an effort to hear something, be alert and ready to hear something. How do I get? Ah, there we are. And in our series that we started last week, Bless, which includes begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve and share story. The listen aspect of blessing others includes all of those definitions because let's be honest, we want to give one's attention to the sound that is coming from somebody's voice. We want to take notice and act upon what someone is saying to us. We want to make an effort to hear what people are sharing with us. Now most of the time, nothing serious happens with this medical condition of I don't listen-itis, which is what I seem to have when it comes to notes. And most of the time, I'm a good listener, but every now and then, I miss some key information because I'm not listening properly. Around 24 years ago, I was conducting a wedding of somebody, actually, her name was Sarah. I can somehow remember that name, even though it's a boring name. Sorry if your name is Sarah, I can remember that name. I'm only teasing. My name is Wayne. Who am I to argue with that, you know? So I was conducting... And her mum was the secretary. Her name was Marlene, a lovely Welsh lady of the church where I was pastoring part-time as a student. And I was conducting this wedding about 24 years ago, and I I was in a tough season of life. My mum hadn't long died. A a relationship I was in had had fallen apart. And and Marlene was somebody who... She kind of took me under her wing. She was one of those people in South Wales where you just knocked the back door and walked in and sat down and made yourself a cup of tea. It's that kind of... Some of you were thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what we used to do in South Wales. And, and she was just lovely. And we had the wedding rehearsal, and she sidles up to me on the Friday night, and she says, Wayne, I know things aren't great for you at the minute, so I want you to know, at the reception tomorrow, I've got you a special seat at a special table. I thought, what, what, what does that mean, Marlene? And she kind of, you'll just see tomorrow. Oh, that's a little bit weird. Not going to get much sleep tonight thinking, where has she put me? So we get, the wedding goes great and all of that kind of stuff. And we get to the wedding reception and I'm scanning for my name. Ever been at a wedding reception? You're scanning for your name and at first you cannot see your name. And you think, did you read the invitation correctly? Have you really got a seat at this table? And all of a sudden they're going to sit down and you're just stood because nobody actually invited you to that. But I'm look, scanning my name. I can't see my name. And then I scan my name. I catch a glimpse of my name. And it's on the end of the top table. 
I think, wow. That's, you can't get more special a table, can you, than the top table at a wedding. So I'm kind of feeling a little bit shocked, a little bit embarrassed, a little bit awkward. I'm not family, I'm just the minister that did the service. But Marlene had taken me into a family. I thought maybe, because I know she wanted me to say grace at the wedding, maybe that's where she wanted me. And, and I'm just milling around, making small talk with people around me who I don't know. And I suddenly thought, this, this little nagging thought in my head, did you really put me on the top table? Is that what she means by a special table, by a special seat at a special table? I'll just go and check again. So I looked on the top table at the name that I thought was mine. It's very close to mine, but it wasn't my name. <laughs> Can you imagine if I'd gone and sat at the top table just before the entry of the bride and the groom, only to find that that is not where I should be sitting? She had put me on a table that she classed as a special table because it was all the people that she really loved. And we were together. The oddballs on our own, probably, but... And it all because I hid a special place at a special table and I didn't hear and listen uh, correctly. Listening is such an important uh, skill in every situation and every relationship. God created us the way he did for a reason. He created us with two ears and one mouth. He created the two ears, not just for balance. If you think most of us use our two ears and a mouth as our, our main aspects of communication. Yes, we use other things. We use eyes and, and all of that kind of stuff. But our ears and our mouth are what we use as communication. And of those things, two-thirds of them are ears and one-third is a mouth. That says to me that God expects us to listen more than we actually speak. Maybe you struggle to listen as well. Comedian Peter Kay, when he, he does a thing on stage where he, he, he says, these are the lyrics that we've misheard in songs. Now, some of you will have seen this. I can't do this justice, but it's songs like uh, Abba's Dancing Queen, where we, what we often hear is, feel the beat from the tangerine. <laughs> where it's actually feel the beat from the tambourine. Or... Or my favourite one, actually, because of what I do for a, a call-in, is take... No, not, sorry, is... My favourite one is Sister Sledge's song, where it says, um, just staple the vicar. Instead of actually, it says, just let me state for the record. But when you hear it, and you're going to go home and Google it, when you hear it, it sounds like you're saying, just, just let me staple the vicar. And then take that back for good, where it sounds like the singing, instead of singing, want you back, it sounds like the singing, wash your back with a loofah or something, you know. But we can all struggle with truly listening. And this morning we continue our blessed series, which is a way to bless those around us intentionally with the love of Jesus. It's a, it's a series of five practices that, we, that will help us to make intentional connections with people who do not know Jesus. Last week we thought about beginning with prayer, a good place to start, where we thought of asking God to speak names and situations and people into our hearts so that we can pray for opportunities to bless them with the love of Jesus. And this morning, we're moving on with the second principle, which is listen. And it's such a powerful principle, because when people feel unlistened to, unheard and unknown, they feel unloved. But the opposite is true, because when people feel heard, they feel known, and they feel loved. I came across a quote this week that said, 
true listening may be the kindest and most loving gift you can give to someone. Say that again. True listening may be the kindest and most loving gift you can give to someone. Listening is such a huge part of relationship. When you're looking to connect with others, and when we fail to listen, we fail to connect, and that relationship can be marred. Go, go right back to the beginning of, of the world in Genesis. The serpent made Adam and Eve question what they had heard from God. For God said to them, you may freely eat from every tree in the garden apart from the tree of knowledge that's in the middle of the garden. Yet when the serpent tries to fool them, he tries to make them question what God actually said. He says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, no, he didn't say that. He said you can freely eat from any tree apart from. Whereas the serpent twists that that makes Adam and Eve think, what exactly did we hear? Were we listening correctly to God? And so the idea is that these five blessed practices will change how we interact with others. And when we listen correctly to what people actually say, as opposed to what we think they say, that will change how we bless them and in doing so share Jesus with them. Are you with me so far? Great. Like all these practices, our gold standard is Jesus himself. Jesus is recorded as asking 307 questions in the Gospels. In contrast, he directly answers only three of the 183 questions that he was asked. Pilate asking, so you are a king then? Disciples saying, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? They're the only three questions that Jesus answered directly. He spent more time asking questions, and that says Jesus was somebody who asked questions and listened to the answers, all because he was interested in other people. If we look through a miracle in Luke 18, we see that that while the want, that the need of a man was completely obvious to everybody around him, Jesus still asks him a question, which showed the man that that this guy had Jesus' undivided attention, which meant above and beyond the miracle, the man felt heard, known, and loved by Jesus. So let's look at uh, Luke 18, verses 35 uh, to 43. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Friends, what we need to see in this passage is that Jesus wasn't on a healing miracle tour. 
He wasn't an evangelist who had set up a marquee and, and had three services happening every day and bringing lots of people toward to, to, to give their life to him. Jesus was simply on his way. He was approaching Jericho, which would have been one of the last stops on the way uh, to Jerusalem where Jesus would participate in the Passover feast. So, so Jesus is not on the lookout for someone to heal, but Jesus was always positioned to allow a divine interruption. There would have been so many people milling around, a bit like maybe London on a New Year's Eve or something. This was the Passover feast, a, a popular and important celebration. So lots of people would be present, which meant lots of noise. And yet in this noise, Jesus' ears were ready to hear. Jesus was ready to hear because his heart was always ready to listen. It's interesting to note that the people in front of the man were yelling at him to be quiet, and that showed something and did something. They showed us that they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to listen to the needs of people that were going on around them. Here was someone who was blind and just longed to be included by other people. Longed to have the same status as other people. Longed to be hid and known and loved. And yet the people told him to shut up. Do we act like that? Do we tell others to stop talking because we can't be bothered to listen? But this lack of listening to the man is at a time when they were saying, we want you to be quiet because we want to hear from Jesus. Well, maybe Jesus was already speaking to them through this man. Yet they couldn't focus, they couldn't see that. It's a very selfish heart from the people in the crowd. But in this selfish act of being unwilling to listen, they yelled at him to be quiet. And by yelling at him, they brought attention to him. And Jesus maybe hears the yelling, but instead of then going to see the yelling people in the crowd, he listened beyond them to the man in need. You see, Jesus didn't simply listen to everyone, he listened to the ones God placed on his heart. Jesus not only listened to the cries of the man, he listened to this guy's heart. So Jesus goes over, not to the, to the yelling crowd, but to the man. He calls him to him. Bring that guy to me. And instead of instantly healing, he says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, that looks a stupid question. But is it? This man had been blind for, for a long time. Maybe the blindness was part of who he was. So Jesus doesn't assume that he wants to see. He asks him what he wants. You know, I've got a friend who's a minister whose son, he's an adult now, but he has autism. And he got really cross with a, a church, a, a mega church, that, that put something out on social media that, that to, to, we need to pray for healing for all of those people that have got autism. And this guy turned around and said, how dare he? Autism is what makes my son who he is. How dare he say that without asking, is that what you want? You know, I find that really powerful. So we look at it, and yeah, of course this guy wants to be able uh, to see. And yet Jesus says, what do you want? Not what does the world around you say will make your life better. What is it that, that you want? And the man does answer, I want to see. But you see, Jesus never assumes. He never assumed he knew what people needed, even though he did because he's God. 
But friends, it's such a great model for you and I to follow as we're listening to people to ask them what is it that they want. I've done it with my wife and Shuji ends up saying, no, but if you stop talking and listening to me, I'll tell you. I, I, I jump in because I think I know what exactly she needs. And she goes, no, 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 shut up. And don't stop preaching at me. We're in the kitchen, for goodness sake. And I'll tell you what exactly I want from you. Let me tell you how not to do it. Many years ago, I was running an Alpha course. I was running it with the wife of a Methodist minister. They were great friends of Gemini's, and we socialized with them, and we did ministry stuff with them. So Kathy and I were, were running this Alpha course. Kathy's not a, a minister. Uh, she's an actress, actually. But we're running this Alpha course. We run it in a, a local Costa coffee shop. And uh, we, had, with, um, we had about 30 or so people, and most of them were non-churched. It was a great Alpha course. And so we decided we're going to go for the Holy Spirit Day. The day, normally on a Saturday, when you call people together and you talk and you teach about the Holy Spirit, and you invite people to experience the Holy Spirit and give their lives to Jesus. And so we, we're running this Holy Spirit Day in, a, in another venue, and uh, it's all gone really well, and towards the end... Kathy and I said, right, we're going to invite anybody who wants to come forward for prayer to come forward for prayer. And Kathy and I were still off to the side, and, and very quickly, two people came for prayer. One came to me, and one went to, to Kathy. I was so excited that somebody even came forward for prayer. I was so excited, I just launched into praying. And I started praying that, that they would have a, an experience of the Holy Spirit, that their lives would be transformed and that their fledgling faith would grow and it would impact their family. And I was in full flow. I was going for it. I felt the angels were going, come on, Wayne, go for it. And I thought, Kathy's really, she hasn't even started doing the hands together eyes closed bit. And that's when I heard her say to the person she was praying for, what exactly could I pray for you? And in the mid-prayer, as if God took a fish and whacked me across the face with it. And I thought, oh, wow, basic 101 error. I didn't ask this person what they wanted prayer for. I just made an assumption. It played on my mind so much that a few days later, I felt contacted this person and I just apologized. Because I hadn't asked what exactly can I pray for you? Praying with people, blessing people, listening. It's important to ask them what they want. Friends, Jesus never assumed. Even though he knew because he's God, instead he asked questions and he listened to the answer. In another instance, we see in John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who's been sick for 38 years and surely this man wants to be well, but Jesus asks him, would you like to get well? To which the man replies that he can't because he can't get to the pool of Bethesda, which many believed had miraculous healing qualities. Jesus shows him, mate, you don't need the pool. You've got the source of the pool standing before you. And Jesus heals him. And what it does, it transforms a man's life, but it also transforms his faith. And the Bible provides several examples of Jesus actively listening to people. Here's a few instances. When Jesus is 12, They've been in Jerusalem, loads of people, uh, and, and, and his parents and those that are with him, they leave, assuming that Jesus is with somebody else on this journey back home. And after a couple of days, they realize that Jesus isn't with them. So they go back, and where do they find Jesus? They find him in the temple, sitting amongst the, the, the teachers, asking questions and listening to them. 
That's what Jesus is. That's 12 years of age. Think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus engages in a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well and he takes time and he listens attentively to what she is saying. And he ends up addressing her spiritual needs, revealing that he is the Messiah. Look at the feeding of the 5,000. Before performing the miracle of feeding the multitude with five loaves and two fish, Jesus listens to the concerns of his disciples who are concerned that all of these people have got nothing to eat and they need to get home and get something to eat. Jesus listens to their needs and then responds by instructing them to feed the crowd themselves, leading to the miraculous multiplication of food. So many more examples. But a few examples illustrate Jesus' willingness to engage with individuals, listen to their needs and responding with compassion and understanding. Friends, listening is something the Bible is so strong on. We can look in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 3, then the Lord came and stood and called it as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Proverbs 1.5, a wise person will hear an increase in learning and a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Friends, there's a benefit to our lives when we listen. Psalm 81, listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warning, O Israel, if you would only listen to me. I don't know about you, but I wonder how many times God says, O Wayne, if only you would listen to me. In the New Testament, we read in Mark 6, the apostles are sent out by Jesus, and he drew them back and he listened to their stories. Acts 2, as Peter's given his sermon, he says, listen carefully all of you Jesus says in John chapter 10 my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me are we getting it listening is so important it's key to life and is key to the life of a Christ follower and it is important if we want to bless others we need to listen to God and listen to other people when we begin with prayer we position ourselves to hear from God about the people and places and situations he wants us to bless. But for us to move forward with blessing others, we have to be willing to listen to God in the first place because he's the one who will tell us who he's placing on our heart. Let me go to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Kings, a passage that I'm going to read in a minute that that some of you might know. We can read the account of Elijah, who, who he's run away to Sinai because Jezebel was trying to kill him. Elijah has a bit of a breakdown. He has this period of sleeping, waking period, sleeping, waking, eating. God gives him rest. And the end of that cycle, I mean, at one point he wakes up, he says, my life is so bad, I wish I was dead. God gives him time to rest and then encourages him to get up to continue on his journey. And so when he finally gets to Mount Sinai, God gets him to to come out of the cave that he's resting in and stand on the mountain. And this is where we pick up the biblical account in 1 Kings 19. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. 
And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, I want us to notice, and it's not rocket science. God was not in the windstorm, the earthquake, or the fire, but in the gentle whisper. This means that the noise of the windstorm, the noise of the earthquake, the noise of the fire had to be gotten rid of so that Elijah could hear the gentle whisper. It was God showing Elijah that he had to remove the loudest voices in his life so then he could listen properly to God. You see, we listen to what is around us all the time. But when was the last time you truly listened to God and to others? Because, friends, we need to listen to God. Elijah is holed up in this cave. He's at his wit's end, and God says he's to go out, and God is about to show up in a mighty and a powerful way. Yes, we'd expect it in the storm. We'd expect it in the earthquake. We'd expect it in the, in the fire. And yet God was in the whisper. God was in the silence. And you and I need to turn down the loud voices in our lives that stop us listening to God and also stop us truly listening to others. Now, one of my, my pet peeves is when I'm talking to somebody and they're either doing this or they're doing this. And you're in the middle of a conversation to somebody and you hear their phone beep and they instantly get it out and they look to see who that was and I'm in the middle of a conversation with them. Without them saying, Wayne, do you mind? I'm waiting for a message. I just need to check this. I won't tell you who's done it to me here, but, you know, it's just saying it's one of my pet peeves. Now, in this series, you may think we haven't really got off the ground. After all, we've just mentioned beginning with prayer and listening. It may sound pretty basic stuff. Where's all the action, all the doing, you may be thinking. Can I just pause us there? And just say, never underestimate the power and importance of beginning with prayer and listening. For if we don't begin with prayer, it suggests that we're not seeking God and what he wants us to do. And if we're not listening to God and to others, we're trying to do this all on our own and what we think is best. And we're we're, we're killing people with kindness because we're not listening to them. You know, for me, in in my life, there have been a few times, a, a handful of times when it it's as if I've heard God in the, in the fire, in the earthquake, in the windstorm. It's been powerful. It's been mighty. I can't remember if I've shared it with you, but I've got instances of my bedroom being completely filled with a bright light and hearing God's voice say, I want you to get baptised. Powerful experiences of hearing from God. I've had those a few times. Most of the times... I've heard God speak to me, it's been in whispers. Or the gentle feeling that this is of God. And as you listen, as you step out in faith, God whispers the next step to you and so on. And when I say whispers, I'm not meaning audibly. Although if God wants to, I'm open to that. But it's a gentle whisper where you just know in your gut that this is of God. You've turned down all the voices that are going on in life and that going on around you, and you're just sitting with God, and you just know it. Some people say, it's that knowing in your knowing. God is whispering to you. You know, I, I think we mystify the whole uh, area of God speaking to us, and therefore us listening to God, and yet often it's in the everyday ordinance of life that we hear God. That's why it's a whisper. And to hear a whisper, we need to be willing to listen. 
And this means identifying for you what are the loudest voices in your life and are you willing to turn them down so you can hear God speak to you what he wants you to say to others. And here's the thing. To listen to God, you've got to get close. Because to hear a whisper, you have to get close. I love that photo. Kids in a playground all whispering to each other. But look at them. They're, they're turned in. They're, they're bent down. They're close to each other. It's the same for us. If we want to hear from God, if we want to hear a whisper from God, we've got to get close to him. Yeah, you can stand back, you can have lots of loud noises going on in your life if, you're going to, if God's going to speak in a windstorm or an earthquake. But if God's just going to whisper to your heart, you need to get close to him. Because if you're not close to him, you're not going to be able to hear from him. I've said this before. And if you don't remember me saying it before, don't worry, it's not that you weren't listening, maybe you've just forgotten <laughs> There's a reason we need to get close and stay close to God. Because if the devil can isolate you, he can influence you. Say that to your head. Say it to your heart. If the devil can isolate you, he can influence you. We need to be aware of this because it can be a loud voice that stops us listening. You don't need to pray today. You don't need to read your Bible. Look at what's happening in your life. Surely God's left you. Are you sure you need to speak to this person? Are you sure this is the person God wants you to bless? What if they don't like it? What if they reject you? It goes back to the Garden of Eden where we can be fooled. Did God really say that? Is it really a sin? You enjoy it too much? It feels great. And over time, one step at a time, instead of drawing closer to God to hear a whisper, we draw closer and further and further away. And once the devil has you isolated from God, he will then influence you. That's the worship group as we close to come, come back up. So friends, what are, what are the things you need to do to position yourself to hear from God? What are the competing voices in your life that you need to, to turn down or remove altogether so you can then be in a position to listen to the gentle whispers of God? It could be a lot of things. For lots of us, let's be honest, I'm not against the phone and social media, but it's this. Social media has a place to play in our society. It's never going away. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, we need to get used to it. It's here. But it also has a massive negative impact. It influences. It tells us what we should look like. It tells us what we should be thinking. It has has a negative impact upon life. And it's not just a negative impact upon the lives of children and young people. All of us can get caught up with that. It's not that we can't use it, but we need to not let it have a loud voice in our lives. We need to turn it down. It may be that that person is always negative to you and they just suck the life out of you. Maybe it's always wanting to be right. Maybe it's always wanting it to be done your way. And and for you, the voices of processes and structure, they just shout all the time into your life. And you, you just structure the life out of it. You just structure the freedom of God wanting to do something different in your life. You know, friends, none of these things in and of themselves are always bad, but when they drown out the voice of God, then they are bad. What will it take for you to truly listen to God and to the people God's placed on your heart in your life? Have you thought of those four or five people that God's placed on your heart that he wants you to keep praying about, 
to be intentional about? What will it take for you to begin with prayer and then simply listen? listen, To listen to God and through his ears, listen to people that God places in your life. Maybe then you can hear of a practical need and you sense God asking you to meet it. Maybe you'll become aware of someone's emotional need and you have the opportunity to sit with them and to show love. Maybe you'll become aware of someone's spiritual need and so you can share Jesus and pray with them. Maybe you hear from God about sharing food or coffee with someone. You see, friends, when we begin with prayer and then we turn down the loud voices in our lives and we listen, we find that everything else will flow from that. So friends, let's begin with prayer and then let's be intentional about listening to God and to others. Those two practices, I think they go hand in hand, central to the whole of this series. Do you believe Jesus can change the world? Yeah. He uses us. We can change the world by blessing people one person at a time. It's our mission to help people be intentional about making Jesus the heart of their lives. Let's together follow Jesus' example and position ourselves to listen. So let's just do that. Let's just pray together. And as we pray, let's just pause. Just pause and allow the Spirit to speak into our lives. What is God whispering to your heart? Who are the people that He's placing on your heart to pray about, to bless? Are you willing to be available to God, to be used in whatever way you want, He wants? Less of you and more of Him. Yeah, Father, thank you that you had placed us on somebody's heart. They prayed for us, they listened to us, and they've been so integral in our journey of faith. May we do that to others. Father, give us voices, give us ears, As we read in your word, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And then may we act on that. If you're able, could you you just stand a moment? We're going to worship through song. And there's a song, it's, it's called Available. It says, I hear your call. I am available. I say, yes, Lord, I'm available. What are the voices, friends, that you need to turn down? to be available to God. I just want to encourage you to, to sing this song as a response to him. To sing it out to him that you want to say anew and afresh that you're available to God. And even, you know, if, it's up to you if you want to, as you're singing this as a song of response and commitment, if you want to come forward to the front and somebody will come and pray with you and ask you what you want prayer for. Maybe you just want to be available to renew your life with him. Maybe you want to be available to give him your life for the first time ever. Maybe you want to be available to him because you know he's placing something on your heart. You just don't know what it is yet. Church, let's just be available to God today.